Welcome to the Tips and Salsa podcast, your local source for chips, salsa, and instructional technology happenings within the Redlands Unified School District. And here are your hosts, Jamie Quartz, Nicole House, Caleb Rothy, and Jen Vadney. Hello, Redlands teachers and staff. We are back with something a little bit different for episode 21. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm here with our amazing tech coaches, Nicole. Hello. Caleb. Hey there. And Jen. Hola. So, today, in the spirit of talk radio, we will be discussing our thoughts and ideas on an article. Uh, And we found a really good article that we thought was pretty pertinent to what's happening right now in uh, Redlands. And um, it's called The Future of Blended Learning, What Educators Need to Know. So we have uh, intentionally not discussed the article yet together, um, which was really hard for us to do. (laughs) I think there was some cheating. (laughs) At least for me. Yeah. But we hope to do this format again throughout the season. So we hope you enjoy our first attempt at um, talking about something, an article that's pertinent to today. Yeah, this one should should be fun for us. Uh, Before we get started, let's talk about the chips and salsa that we're enjoying today. We have some uh, tortilla chips called Texas-shaped tortilla chips. And these are actually some chips that I brought back with me. I went to Austin, Texas recently and uh, brought these chips back with me. So we've got those. They're so cute. Yeah, they're all shaped in in the the state of Texas. I mean, they're light and crispy. They're good. Okay. Does this look like Texas to you? <laughs> For the record, Jamie is holding up a broken chip right now. They didn't all make it back in that pristine like condition. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got two different types of salsa in today. Jen brought these in. We have a tomatillo salsa that's got a little bit of kick to it, and then an organic uh, mild salsa, red salsa as well. So we've got both of those that we're trying. Um, the one that I'm enjoying is the tomatillo salsa, the green salsa. It's really good, and uh, it's got it's got some heat, so I like that. Jen and I thought we'd mix the two. Mm-hmm. What yeah. do you think, Jen? I I like the idea of mixing them. Yeah, it's it's, just it cuts down the heat for me. Yeah, it adds a little more texture to it. I agree. Yeah, more went, volume. Mm-hmm. More volume. <laughs> this is a haircut. <laughs> <laughs> I went for the mild, as per my usual. It's perfect. I didn't really read the label. <laughs> and I, I thought you were going to say you didn't read the article. I didn't. That I'm going to just kind we're, of... We're doing shoot, it on the fly. Shooting yeah. from the hip today. Okay, well, speaking about the article, if any of you would like to look it up while you're listening, if any of the million followers or so mm-hmm. that are listening right now would like to look this up, the article is called The Future of Blended Learning, What Educators Need to Know. And this is by someone named Allison Klein, and she's from Education Week. Yep. And we'll put a link to the article in the show notes so you can grab it directly right there if you'd like to. Yeah, so let's dig in. Maybe we should start by saying why we think this particular article is pertinent to right now. Sure. I'll start. I think this is important because the concept of blended learning, we've been talking about in education for more than a decade now, but I think with the thrust into distance learning last year, it made it real and tangible for so many more educators. And I think coming back into in-person teaching this year, um, there's going to be, there's almost a shift of focus as we come back to in-person teaching, because we're going to bring the lessons of the pandemic with us. We're going to bring the tools and the apps and, and all that we learned. And so, 
um, if we look towards the future of blended learning, it's probably going to look different going forward. And I think this is a great article that touched on some of the ways that education has probably been forever changed. And it also talks a little bit about things that educators should be thinking about and, and maybe things that educators should know as we look towards the future and figure out what do our, what do our classrooms look like now. I liked the article because it talked a little bit about, um, it gave me the perspective, I should say, of not everything that came out of the pandemic was necessarily bad, right? We did learn some things that were helpful and that we can use moving forward that make education life for both the teacher and the student a little bit easier, hopefully. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that those things kind of carry through and we don't just go back to our old ways, but take kind of the lessons we learned. As Jamie mentioned, we did not discuss the article prior to today, um, but the other day I was having a little dissonance while reading the article, and I finally figured out why. The title, in my opinion, doesn't describe the article in the sense that, because the title is The Future of Blended Learning, What Educators Need to Know. The first half of the article, it was like the future of blended learning, what educators lived through. <laughs> it was like people who are not educators need to know this. Mm. Prior to the pandemic, a variety of people were using tech. Um, tech. tech use increased across the board during the pandemic and because of distance learning. But that increase depended on how much you used prior to distance learning. And then on the outside, it's like, okay, what do we do now? You know, do we continue to use tech? Do we scale back? You know, some age groups, we need to scale back. Kids need, you know, they're learning how to write their primary. They need a pencil and paper and crayons and markers. And then the one-to-one change that our district went through was really welcomed by our secondary teachers. So that was that dissidence that I had. It was just like, educators know this, this first part of the article, because they live through it, but people who aren't familiar with what teachers have gone through over the past two years need to know this, that these are the questions that we are now struggling with coming back. That's, that's a funny. Point. Yeah, that's funny. I, t- I totally agree. It was, it was more, on, um, more on strategies and less on pedagogy because what, I think what we've been really pushing for or hoping for is not just we're doing these strategies now or using these tools now, but we're, we've changed the way we're approaching instruction. Because, you know, you could just pick up different strategies along the way. We do that anyway. But do we really change the way we think? So they, they said a lot of stuff like um, flipping, you know, flipping the classroom. You know, is that something that we've never done before or are we doing it more than, more than we used to? And is this changing you know, changing right. education. I mean, I would say that, yes, it is changing education. I, I, I hope that it will. There was one um, thing in the article that really stood out to me. Um, it was a quote in there. I think it was, oh, yeah. And for some teachers, there's a big temptation to revert back to traditional instruction. And so that was one of the hallmarks that I took away from this article is that I, I know that there are many of my colleagues out there that have been through this traumatic experience of this last year. And the the uh, excitement to get back to in person, many are interpreting as a, a chance to get back to business as usual and education um, that looks and feels a lot like pre-pandemic environment. And I think one of the things that the, the pandemic showed me is that 
That previous system didn't necessarily work for all kids perfectly. The pandemic has highlighted some of those shortcomings. And because of this shared experience of trying to teach through distance, we all have emerged with uh, emerged from this with some new strategies and some new tools and some new techniques that we can leverage to make learning look and feel a little bit different in our in our classrooms of tomorrow. And so that's the way I kind of looked at the whole article was um, these ideas about having gone through this pandemic. Maybe we don't have to revert back to the way that things were and that maybe this will fundamentally change education. Now, does just flipping your classroom or flipping one lesson mean that students are learning more? No, not necessarily. You've got to move beyond just the app um, and into the pedagogy, as Jamie was saying. But I think the potential is certainly there. Well, and I like that it's um, focused, I mean, right in the title, it says blended learning. And so for me, that's kind of that balance, that it really needs to be a balance between the two. It's not necessarily that everything we did pre-pandemic was amazing and was working for everybody. But then also when we were forced into just doing distance learning, I think Jen said that, that didn't work for everybody either. So how do we kind of marry the two of them, take the best from both parts and put it together and, and make something to move forward with that's really going to um, try to affect more students, try to engage more students, that type of situation where it's, um, you know, learning from our mistakes a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think I think a, a good sign, and this was a survey that was taken as part of the article, is um, they asked teachers whether they think that the integration of tech into their classrooms will be greater than, less than, or more so than prior to the, the pandemic. And it's huge. It's overwhelmingly um, saying more. We're going to use it more. Some, of course, like Caleb said, say, no, we're just going to get back to <laughs> We just want to talk to people and, you know, be device free. But so I, th I think in general, it feels like teachers feel like, yeah, you know, we need to start integrating this more into our daily lives, our daily instruction. Kids are used to it. We found great success. But I think then the next question is how, you know, what – what are the strategies and how do I know if I'm using it correctly? How, how do I know if, you know, like that, that's sort of the next question. And then when do we have time to practice this and figure it out and all that stuff? So that, I feel like that's what, kind of where we're at right now. Yeah, that was one of my takeaways from this too. And this is something we've been talking about, you know, our team, but I think we've been having this conversation in education is, is instructional tech that app that I use or that website that somebody told me about, or is it about how I interweave that into my practices? And that's one of the things that this article emphasized, Nicole was talking about this a second ago, that it's about blending those components into your practices and in, into what you do. And I know the the article cited some um, a couple of studies and some research that were done about, Jamie was just talking about this a minute ago, here it is, uh, two thirds of educators are expecting their use of technology and apps to increase. Uh, this year, nearly 30% said that they were betting that it would increase a lot, mm -hmm. with just 14 expecting it to decline after this year of, you know, pandemic learning and distance learning and, and all of that kind of stuff. So um, one of the things that I liked in the article is that it talks about the power of all this. It's not just the app that you put, you know, that you assign or you create a lesson around. It, it's how you interweave it into your curriculum and into your instruction and into your pedagogy. And I think that's really the, kind of the heart of blended learning itself. I think um, the one of the promising things about this is, is when you think of integrating tech, you get this 
immediate sense that it needs to be super techie and like (laughs) Star Wars and Star Trek (laughs) and like all this. Holograms. And and therefore it must be complex. But really a lot of the strategies and suggestions are saying is just really simple, basic things that get big bang for the buck. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is revolved around personalized learning. It's like, because that's hard to do when you're just a teacher, (laughs) one person without some sort of resource or tool that can help you, you know, personalize. And and that's where we're at with universal design for learning and, and equity and things like that. So yeah, it talked about like that that's a good way to start integra- incorporating technology into what we do in a blended sense. There was one quote <clears throat> and the part of it was it's all about instructional practices. And it just kind of the, the article did talk about using technology for remediation and acceleration, but you can use technology for just the everyday teaching. Right. You know, use it to set up a discussion you know, set up that conversation, um, set up the activity for kids to interact around. So it's it's kind of, you know, as we have talked about here, as indispensable as a pencil. Mm-hmm. I say it correctly? I'm not sure. Yep. Um, but it, it's regardless of what job you enter after high school, you're going to be using technology in, in some form. And it's not separate it's not like technology on this day it is just you have to use technology to do x y and z and we can infuse that same type of principle i don't know if it's principle or mindset in our classes we can use technology to share documents to write on documents to create projects as we respond to curriculum or for teachers to present different concepts to students through technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the heart of that is, you know, use technology where technology makes sense yep. and don't try to jam it into something where it doesn't make sense. But how many of us have taught a lesson before where we explain the whole thing to students and we're like, okay, we crushed it. And then they come back the next day and they're profoundly confused. Mm-hmm. It did not go as well as we thought it went. And a lot of students are like, yeah, I, I, I didn't understand it yesterday. I think one of the things that technology allows us to do is just something as simple as, well, if I record myself explaining this yes, and I, I put that video up on YouTube or heck, just have it in a Google Drive folder with a link and I post that in Classroom, it makes it so that now students can go back and review that at any point. Yep. And if I'm a student and I need to hear my teacher explain it four times rather than asking that question in class, I, I go back to the video and I watch it four times until I do understand how to do something. And so that goes right with what Jamie was saying, where like tech doesn't have to be Star Wars and lasers and crazy things in the classroom. <laughs> it's as simple as using a little tool to record yourself explaining something. Maybe it's a two minute video, but right. then you have that saved and archived forever and your students can then access it whenever they need to make them a little bit more um, you know, responsible for their own learning and seeking out resources when they need it and figuring out what resources they need to be able to master a concept. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what I was referring to when I was saying that there were some good things that came out of the pandemic. For example, most teachers didn't record anything beforehand. And so because of the pandemic and we were having to record our our Zoom or our meet sessions, they saw that it was easy, was not a hard thing to do. We're not saying you have to go back and do a bunch of editing even for it. But now that you've been doing that for a while, can you envision doing that on a random day in your class for something that you think your students might need to rehear later or, you, you know, use for another period um, of the day or 
whatever. That's something that you've already learned how to do. You were forced to learn yeah. how to do it. Yeah, no choice. Um, exactly. <laughs> but but let's hold on to that. Let's keep using it. Right. So moving forward and, and bringing that into the space. Um, I think, too, that a lot of times people think that tech is something that has to be taught. And it's not always that way. I think Caleb may have said that earlier, too, that it's just a way of incorporating things into your lessons that you're already doing, like this recording. Yeah, the the article jumped right out and talked a lot about the recording and the flipping and, you know, for those purposes. They also talked about the game-based learning platform. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of engaging kids into the learning through fun. Yeah. <laughs> so what would you guys think of that? Yeah, that was one of the things that I noticed in the article, too, was it, ta- it was talking about gamifying some of your instruction. There's a lot of great tools out for that. Uh, Kahoot quizzes, all sorts of websites where you can build a little interactive review activity or even just kind of a teaching tool. You build your lesson with some polls built into it and a chance for students to answer some questions as you go through it. I think there's a lot of potential in doing that. And anybody that's ever played with any of those tools, Kahoot and quizzes are two great ones. They're really easy to get going. And so you can just take a couple of minutes and add a couple, you know, add a little Kahoot activity or a quizzes activity into your class. It's not something where you have to spend an hour um, building this. You keep it small, bite size, and it's a great way to amp up that engagement and interactivity in your class. So it's not, you know, students listening to a lecture or just reading passively out of the textbook, but it gets it, you know, makes the the learning more dynamic in your classroom. Well, and I think too that it's also the opportunity, and we hear this a lot, that people people said they were hearing from students that they wouldn't normally hear from during distance learning. And Kahoot and quizzes and all that gives everybody that opportunity to participate and be engaged. And again, you're hearing from a lot more of your class than you were in the past when you're just raising their hand and calling on a few people. Mm -hmm. Caleb was preparing for an upcoming training on quizzes, and he asked some of us to play along. And as I was going through it, I thought it was a lot of fun. I had the opportunity to go through the activity a second time because I got a few incorrect the first time around and I did it immediately. And then I sat back. I'm like, how awesome is that? Like, I did it the first time, got two wrong, Mm -hmm. was prompted, you want to do it again? Yes, because I want to get those two right because that's the type of person I am. And I I ran it through again and I, you know, remembered, you know, a little bit of learning um, increased there. And I sat back and I was like, that was fun. Mm-hmm. The, what, brain break in the middle of the lecture, you know, just kind right. of getting people talking and working and, you know, it just focusing in a different way and using your brain in a different way. And then, okay, now I'm ready to do something else. Right. And and quizzes wasn't the lesson there. My, You know, the lesson is still the lesson. The content right. is still the same. Quizzes was just this neat little tool where you could, you know, self-assess and see how you're doing. But it had that feedback loop built in. The student realized, oh, I missed a couple and and was self-motivated to go back and review. How many times as, te- as teachers have we been banging our heads against the wall where we're trying to get students to go back and review the couple of questions that they missed on a test or a quiz or something like that. And boom, as soon as you gamify it with quizzes or Kahoot, they're they're motivated to do that. I think this discussion is taking my brain to a place that's really, I don't know, you said something, Caleb, about instructional tech is not something that you learn. It's just something that, that eventually, if you're good enough, um, it it comes natural. Mm-hmm. It's 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 instinctive. Like, um, I'm trying to teach something and I really want the kids to, you know, get it. So I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to play a game, you know, and, and they'll really be engaged in the game and we'll, I'll be able to assess it. So, um, what's the, 
what's the best way to play this game? Oh, Kahoot. That's right. yeah. that's a perfect you know, so so it's just like that natural flow of of instinctive thinking as a teacher. Yep. Well we do anyway for for a strategy that will help reach our kids. I'm gonna record this. I'm gonna record this and I'm gonna throw up, throw it up on Google Classroom because yep. I know it was a lot and I want the kids to be able to go back to it, you know, tonight because you know, it's just all those those things that I think teachers really know more than I think they think they know. Yes. And now it's just a matter of starting to connect their knowledge and start in a natural way, having the confidence to pull those out and start incorporating. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where, again, the article talks about the um, resisting the urge to just go back to the way things were as you, as normal, you know, before the pandemic. Um, and, and, that's kind of where we're here to kind of support that, right? And help with that and um, kind of give you some ideas of things that you can use that are, people were doing games before. We always had review games before testing and that kind of stuff, you know, that you would do. And maybe it was just splitting the class up into a couple of different groups and, you know, having two people come to the front of the room and you're reading off a card and the first one to raise their hand. Well, why not get everybody involved with, you know, some of these other activities? So I think that there are lots of things like that. Again, it doesn't have to be difficult. It doesn't have to be very time-consuming on your end. Um, we're here to support all that. We we constantly are doing trainings, like Jen was saying. Um, we have some coming up, as a matter of fact, that will be quizzes and Kahoot and... Formative. Formative. Thank you. Um, but if you miss one of those, reach out to us. Email at us at any time. We will direct you into a spot where you can learn on your own or sit down with you and go over a few things. Um, that's that's what we're here for. So I think that, again, teachers learned a lot more than they realized during the pandemic. And so keeping that going is is really what I'm hoping for. Yeah. And not for the sake of tech, right? We're not just using it just right. to be tech centric, but where does it make sense and allow you to be more efficient as a teacher? Where does it make sense and allow your students to be more engaged? Where does it make sense to help accelerate the learning in your classroom? If tech answers some of those questions, man, by all means, should we be leaning into that Correct. Uh, and finding a way to incorporate it? Great. Anybody have any final thoughts on the article? Anything that they want to throw out to kind of summarize it? I don't know that this is an ending, but I would say that I, I do agree that it's fair to say that there are a lot of times that um, handheld manipulatives are going to be a much better lesson than doing something on the computer or writing out an essay or spelling words or those kinds of things are going to be uh, more effective for students. You you really have to know your class, know your students, and think of what your purpose is for that lesson. Um, so again, that's where I think that for me, I, t I am really liking the idea of blended learning as opposed to just instructional tech all the time. I I, I feel more and more strongly that I, that's not something that I want to be out there saying that you should be doing tech all of the time, but really finding that balance and seeing how you can, um, you know, decide what's right for the moment. And that was kind of my takeaway from the article was that it emphasized that the future of all this is blended learning. It's not all tech. It's not no tech. It's blending these things together and having them exist where they're complementary. And that, you know, maybe the takeaway for all of us edu as educators should be this stuff isn't going away. It wasn't a one-year blip during the pandemic. There's a lot that we did during the era of distance learning that we should all be bringing forward with us because it's going to make us more effective educators in this post-pandemic world. Um, and it's going to certainly be part of the lives of our students. And so the more that we can blend all of those worlds together, the better our students are going to be. 
Yeah, I would agree. I think if we just knew one approach to solving an issue or one approach to showing our kids how to do X, then it's 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 unidirectional or one dimensional. Mm -hmm. But if we now now we have learned this strategy and this trick and this this concept yeah. and this tool, now we can blend the very best of what we know to get the most out of our kids. So I think that makes sense. Yep. yep. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. I, I think let's wrap this episode up now with a game. Jen, do we have a game for today? I love the Yes, game. I do have a game. Okay. All righty. I'm going back to this time. the would you rather questions. Okay. Okay. We don't, we're don't. we not competing? We're not competing. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I've been stressed out all day about that. I was like brushing up on my like 1980s music yeah. and my, my movie trivia. <laughs> um, okay. So the first question is, would you rather be forced to sing along or dance to every single song you hear? Uh, I would rather sing along. I will not be dancing to every song that I hear. Me too. Okay. I think, am I singing a solo? Is this alone? Like, am I singing by myself or dancing by myself out on the dance floor? Yeah, like how many I people need, are watching details. this? That's right. The singing, world. so singing I can tend to like hide in the background a little bit better than, I'm known for turning off my microphone during karaoke. <laughs> Okay, I could see Nicole dancing. I do too. Really? Yeah, oh, I could see I Nicole dancing. I think the premise of the question is you're doing this publicly in front yeah. of people. Yeah. What if me and Caleb sang and Nicole danced? Oh, Lord. That would be good. Do that right now. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 an well, upcoming right now workshop, would, perhaps. Right now <laughs> would be fine because people would only hear you and nobody would see me. So that's, I'm that's down. That's right. <laughs> For me, this was kind of hard because I tend to sing. <laughs> to myself all the time. And yes, I often I can dance to that. on my way to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, you do both. Jen. I think we all dance when we need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> the universal human experience. Yeah. <laughs> all righty. Awesome. Um, would you rather be chronically underdressed or overdressed? Yes. I think I would have said overdressed until I experienced the pandemic, and then <laughs> underdressed became very nice. <laughs> I would rather chronically be overdressed. I am chronically underdressed. I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably underdressed. Yeah. I don't think so. So every social situation you'd rather walk into and be like, <sighs> I'm dressed, I'm underdressed relative to everybody in this room. No, I would not like that. Okay. That, that would not be... I'd rather walk in and be like, oh, I'm wearing a suit and nobody else is. Okay. Oh, if it's that, I'd rather be wearing flip-flops. Uh, I mean, if this is a <laughs> what would you rather wear, three-piece suit is at the bottom of the list yeah. for me. <laughs> you can always wear flip-flops with, with a three-piece suit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we can blend it. <laughs> blend the very best of what my, we like to wear. couture is blended. <laughs> yeah, blend Blended wearing. Hip hops. With <laughs> Let's blend everything, you guys. We blended our salsa. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> we blended our salsa. Right? We're just blended. <laughs> That's right. It's no, just who we are <laughs> inside. Okay. Would you rather be an extra in an Oscar winning movie or the lead in a box office bomb? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'd rather be in a, an extra in an Oscar winning movie. I think I would too. Can you imagine the premiere for that? 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'd want to be the lead in a bomb. <laughs> I don't think extras go to the premiere. <laughs> yes, of course they do. I've been to premieres and I've never even been in a movie. <laughs> I don't think they get to. I would feel so them. left out if I was just. <laughs> no, an extra. I don't mean that. I just want to be there. <laughs> yeah, I. Mm, I don't know. But don't you think everyone would be like, mm, that wasn't very good. I don't care. Oh. <laughs> Some of my favorite movies are stupid. <laughs> this is more like a Fair. personal self-esteem question than anything else. I will share this. My father-in-law was an extra in the movie The Animal with Rob Schneider. <laughs> no. Yeah. The Animal. I don't even know that movie. Exactly. It was with Colleen. Ball. Colleen yeah. from Survivor 1. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> he, he was, so he was the guy in the airport who Rob Schneider blew smoke right in his face. Oh, my God! Guy number 12? I yeah. remember guy number 12. <laughs> guy number 12. Guy number 12. Oh, yeah. Do we have 2001. Time? Yeah. Yeah, okay. one, yeah one, more. more. one more. One more. Okay. Would you rather communicate only in emoji or never be able to text at all ever again? Only in emojis. Only in emojis. I could do emojis. <laughs> I think I could do it, too. I know. I think it'd be fun. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> okay. Department challenge for October. <laughs> the new group text. Does the podcast have to be only in emojis? Oh, that's going to be tough. It's only texting. Mm, sure. Well, that's a wrap, folks. So keep on listening, share with a friend, and stay innovative. And maybe one day you'll be a guest on our award-winning podcast. Until then, see you next time. This is RUSD EdTech signing off. Hello, Redless. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Redless teachers and staff. I'm so sorry. I guess give me two hours long. She okay. exploded. Right on that. That's not going to work. I feel like we did this last time. But it was with Nicole, right? Yes. She got trapped. <laughs> Then I'm here to brighten your day. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Talking about blending. Blended. And learning. <laughs> <laughs> They're blending. <laughs> they are blending. Blended. <laughs> what movie is that from? Blended. <laughs> <laughs> and what are you doing? <laughs> We're going to have so many outtakes for this one. silly. You know how hard it's been for me to get 200 followers on my alpaca site? <laughs> Is it Facebook or Instagram? Instagram. Oh, I'll follow you. Will you? Please. Yes. There you go. You're I've been working for a 99. year to get 200 followers. You're doing something wrong. Are there other sites like... like you got to connect like, with other alpaca people. I have. Oh. I followed like every alpaca village in the <laughs> in Peru. <laughs> this is <laughs> we, What's happening? Every village. <laughs> every village in Peru. <laughs> <laughs> oh we God. have 10 minutes of nonsense on this recording so far. <laughs> What's the name of it? Um, is it Julio down by the schoolyard? Humming Oaks. Humming Oaks. Oh, Alpacas. Humming Oaks. What did okay. you call them? Julio down, down by, by the schoolyard. <laughs>
<laughs> spitting is what is it? Spitting hills? Humming oaks. Humming. <laughs> Humming <laughs> oaks. <laughs> Humming oaks alpacas. Can you splice this all together, Caleb? It'll take a while. Yeah.